Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Chasing Legends Outdoors Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Crawford. I'm uh, really excited about my guest this week. He's a really good friend of mine, and he's actually a repeat guest on the podcast. Um, if you go back to episode two, you can listen to me and my buddy Robbie Enslin talk about our Missouri rut hunt last year. Um, we had a pretty epic week in northwest Missouri the first week of November last fall. And if you want to take a listen to how our hunt shook out last year, go to episode two now and listen to me and Robbie Enslin go back and forth talking about our experiences in the Missouri Whitetail Woods last fall. Um, but I'm having Robbie back on tonight because he is going through the exciting process of acquiring a piece of property and trying to turn it into a Michigan dream property. Um, it's actually not him that is that bought the piece. It's a good family friend of his. Um, but that family friend doesn't live anywhere close to where this hunting property is, and it ends up being ended up being right down the road from where Robbie lives, all the way up in in Indian River, Michigan. And uh, this is going to be a an up north deer camp feel to this property, but Robbie wants to really turn it into a mecca for northern Michigan whitetails. And I know we got a lot of listeners on this from uh, northern Michigan and Michigan in general. Um, and he's going to kind of go through tonight and tell us what his kind of plan is over the next few years to make this property, which was part of the HAP program, the Hunter Opportunity Program, um, uh, Hunter Access Program, actually, excuse me, Hunter Access Program, where this was a piece of private property that was open to the public. Um, and now they've bought it, and obviously it's not going to be open to the public anymore, but they're going to have their own set of challenges, most likely as that transitions into a complete private piece of property um, that they can have to themselves and hopefully make it into a mecca. And we're going to talk a little bit about what he's doing right up front this year, um, how it how the challenges of a northern Michigan property and trying to make that into um, a deer haven. There are a little bit more challenges up there with not as much ag, um, still a little flat, um, but we're going to get into what he plans to do to make it more enticing for deer to stay on the property year-round um, and, like I said, make it a deer hate hunt haven for him and family and friends and for future generations that want to hunt that property. I know they are in it for the long haul, so I'm really excited to talk about that. We're talking about what he plans on planting, what kind of setups he's going to have tree stand-wise, um, and how maybe that will change in the future. But uh, it's kind of interesting to talk about. It's an interesting point to talk about, hey, you got a new property, what do you do now? And so we're going to have Robbie on the line talking about what he's doing uh, to, you know, start this process. It's not going to happen overnight. He's very aware of that. Um, but it's really interesting to hear what he's doing up front. So in 5 to 10 to 15 years, this can be a deer hunting mecca up in a little piece of paradise in northern Michigan. But before we get Robbie on the line... I don't feel. I feel like I don't need to talk too much about it because if you listen to the podcast, we're in your ear about it all the time. But hunt wise, uh, we got a promo code for you. And you know, if you're an outdoorsman, big whitetail guy, um, it's uh, it's a no brainer to download this app today and start becoming a more efficient, more educated, more prepared woodsman as you walk into the whitetail woods this fall. I mean, they got mapping, scouting, they got a gear section, they got a social media section, they have weather algorithms, they are coming out with a new feature with um, Jeff Sturgis that you will that you already heard on our podcast um, from their CEO, Jeff Corder, um, talking about how to hunt your specific property in your specific area and for specific times of year. Um, it's going to be an awesome feature for whitetail hunters, but either way, hunt-wise, 
download it, check it out. Promo code C is in chasing, L is in legends, O is in outdoors, 20, CLO20, and get 20% off the best app an outdoorsman can have at his disposal on a daily basis. Hunt-wise, check it out. So without further ado, we will get Robbie on the line, and we're going to talk about growing this piece of property into a whitetail haven. Enjoy. Robbie, what's up, brother? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing good, doing good. I uh, it's funny. I um, this month, I I'm not drinking beer this month. Wow. Yeah. What's wrong with you? I got a I got a pot. I got a wedding coming up, man. Just trying to figure out ways to lose uh, some weight. I got one coming too, but I, that doesn't mean I'm giving up beer. <laughs> Maybe I should though. Maybe I should. I'll let you know how it works out this month for me. How about that? <laughs> All right, man. Sounds good. But, just drink light. Just drink light beer. Push lattes. There you go. That the reason I say that is I kind of feel naked right now because every time I do a podcast, it's like kind of like, um, it's like my thing to just crack open a beer and sip on a cold beer while I'm doing the podcast and I just kind of feel naked right now. That's only right when you talk about hunting to sit back and drink a beer. That's right. So, um, how's it going up in northern Michigan, man? It's good, man. It's been a busy summer, but I can uh, I can feel, of course, fall coming. I can feel the fall in the air, almost, even though it's smoking hot outside. Yeah, today was hot, man. But did you find, uh, have, you, have you found any uh, walleye up there? I went fishing with Robbie about a, about a month ago now, and uh, we fished our asses off for a day and a half and didn't catch a single walleye. Yeah. We had, I actually, I've taken quite a few people, or a few people, I should say quite a few people out, and we've been jigging. As you know, I don't have uh, the gear. That, I just bought a brand new boat for the listeners that are tuning in and, uh, yeah, I'm just not equipped yet, so, but I'm still going out there, and I'm trying, and we've caught a few walleye. I want to say I've killed them, killed them by any means, but I just enjoy going out on Mullet and uh, Burt Lake. I know that one day I will figure it out once I uh, deck out my boat, get all the electronics and the trolling motor and all that stuff. So. I'm counting on it, man. I uh, how, How's the, the new Lund? I mean, it's not new. It's a used boat. But how's, uh, new to how, me, though. New to me. Yeah, how's the Lund treating you? I love it, man. I absolutely love it. It's uh, it's it gets me from A to B. As you know, Mullet Bird are giant lakes, and it's got a 130 horse Yamaha on the back. So, um, yeah, I can uh, scoot around those lakes a lot easier. I can cover a lot of water. Yeah, that's awesome. I uh, but enough of fishing because it's mid-August now, and we both know where our mind is 90% of the time right now. I'm just going fishing to pass the time pretty much right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready. There's no question. So I was telling these listeners, you didn't buy a property, but you stumbled into a pretty good situation where a good family friend of yours purchased, it's kind of like his whole retirement plan, but yeah. purchased 275 acres up in 285. Yeah. Um, what county are you in up? There, Charlevoix? No. Uh, Sheboygan. Sheboygan. Sheboygan County. Yes, sir. Um, purchased 275 acres, and but he doesn't live up there yet. And he's kind of like handed the keys over to you saying, Robbie, I'm counting on you to make this a heck of a property for us someday. And um, it's kind of your dream. You kind of like been like that. Yeah. You, you took that key with open arms and ran with it. Yeah, it's uh, I fell into a pretty good situation. The guy you're talking about is named Tom Kettner. We call him Arch, and uh, we kind of introduced him. My dad and I introduced him to hunting this past couple of years. And uh, anyway, obviously, just like all of us and all your listeners, fell in love with it right away because anybody that gets a taste of the outdoors, they realize real quickly what it can do to you, and the camaraderie of it, and just the experiences you can create. So, man, he was uh, as soon as this season ended, he would he was on me about helping him to get property and I was feeling it out just seeing if he was actually serious about it and just kept bugging me. He's like, oh, find me a piece of property, find me a piece of property. So long story short, uh, I hooked him up with a real estate agent I know up here. And, I mean, it was a dream for him and also it was a dream for me as well. I mean, we spent a Saturday just looking at five different properties. We walked all of them and he was going to pick the one. We were going to pick the one that, uh, we liked the best, and uh, we fell in love with this one. And 
he got a great deal on it, and it's it's a, definitely a diamond in the rough. I wouldn't even. It's already what's great about it is it's it's huntable right now, which I didn't know if we were gonna find something that was ready to go. I want to say it's ready to go, but I know that there's a lot of potential out there, no question. And uh, I don't know. I just I've always had a vision of. Uh, it's, a, it's kind of a hobby of mine outside of hunting where I take a piece of ground and I try to make it suitable habitat for for deer, which a lot of deer hunters uh, obviously do, and it's just something that I really enjoy doing. So, yeah, this summer, I mean, we've only had it for a couple months, so I've been shipping away at it. It's going to, as you, I think you told the listeners already, it's going to be probably a five to ten year plan, but we're going to have fun doing it, that's for sure. Absolutely. That's, that's half the fun right there is is putting putting the time in in the off season to get rewarded in the fall. Um, so I kind of want to break this down to a three segments because um, I feel like this is something people that either are maybe just le- started leasing a property, maybe they're looking into buying a property, maybe they have a friend or a family member that owns a property and they want to make it a, a better deer hunting paradise. Yes, sir. Um, but it doesn't happen overnight. I feel like like you and I have already talked about this property, and you need like a, a year one plan, you need a five-year plan, you need a 10-year plan. Yeah. Um, so I kind of want to break this into segments and like kind of talk about what your plans are at the property this year, yeah. and then a couple years moving forward and what your goals are you know, in years three, four, and five. Um, and then we'll go from there. But I know this year's different because you guys finally kind of got the keys to the property, I think, like mid-July, late July, yeah. correct? Yeah, so it's I guess it's only been about a month pretty much. And, uh, I mean, he, you know how real estate goes. It can take a long time to close. So we walked it in the spring, but, yeah, we didn't get the keys until yeah, probably mid-July, beginning of July, something like that. So I've been out there pretty quite a bit. Um, I've already got six stands up. I've bought a total of 10. So I got to, and I've had, you know how you buy them out of boxes and you got to put them together. It's time consuming. Yep. And then uh, I bought a bunch of seed and we've been playing. I just started planting last weekend. And so, yeah, like you said, year to year, it's going to be a little bit different going into this first year. The biggest thing I loved about the property is that had the big, it had the big three, you know, that hunters talk about all the time. It had food, water, bedding, natural food, which was awesome, which you walked the property with me. And uh, there's a lot of natural clover, just a lot of forage, um, especially on the two tracks, um, for whatever reason. It, uh, it really came up well, so I knew that was positive, that it was probably a good soil sample around there. And uh, the other big thing, of course, was the oaks. Uh, it was loaded, absolutely loaded with white and red oak, but majority white oak. Money. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. So, anyway, this year, going into it, it's kind of an observational year, you know what I mean? Um, all the stands I'm setting up, I guess I would call it, uh, I'm playing it safe. I don't want to get in, I figure where the bedding area is on the back end of the property is probably like a 60 acre area that's just you can i consider it the sanctuary and i always try to find a region of the piece of property that i hunt where you just stay out of and i think this is i mean i don't know anything about it because i haven't seen the deer movement but i have a feeling this is where the bedding is so a lot of the stands that i have are great on the two track easy to get to and from um i consider them observational stands so going into this year you know I'm getting a little bit of seed in the ground, not as much as I'm gonna. I want to be able to, because I just don't have enough time to till it all up and get the seed in. So, yep. I guess that this year is it's more just natural movement. You know, where are the deer currently, and how are they moving, and what food source are they keying in on? And then I guess as the years go on, we'll make an adjustment from there. So, big biggest thing this year is just observation, getting the land of land. You know. Um, what the best wind directions are and obviously taking uh, an inventory on what we got out there for a herd as well. You know, who knows how many three and four year olds are out there. I have trail cameras out there and I've got my eye. I, I got an eye on a few already. So there are shooters out there already, which is awesome. I didn't know what we were going to, I knew it was going to hold the year no matter what. I just didn't know 
how pressured it was in the past and uh, where we were going to go moving forward. So it was good to see that there's a good deer herd out there, and uh, that definitely helps. Absolutely. It's kind of a unique situation. I was telling the listeners how this isn't just a piece of private getting handed off to a new owner. It was a, a part of that HA, that hunter access program that Michigan has for, um, you know, it's private land, but it's open to the public for hunting. Um, so you really don't know what the pressure has been like over the past few years. I guess it is a very good sign that you have a couple mature bucks mm-hmm. in daylight um, walking around, which is always a promising, um, a promising thing to look forward. But piggybacking off of what you were saying is this isn't an ideal year, and you're kind of saying this is a, more of an observation year because – well, for one, this is like, you're in this for the long haul. So like, there's no need, like, you know, I, I've had guys on the podcast talking about hunting public land, or, I mean, I think you would agree with hunting the little pieces of private land that you hunt up north as well as you never know how long you're going to be able to hunt that for. So you by like, just be, just because of that reason alone, it forces you to be more aggressive. Yeah. Um, but this, but you know, you have this property for the long haul, so there's no need to be aggressive this year. It's an ob- observation yeah. year, and on top of that, you've been tearing up the woods in July and August. Where uh-huh. I think, you, I mean, you and I are on the same page, along with a lot of the listeners, is like you should be tearing up the woods in like April and May. <laughs> yeah, which I normally do, so it feels weird uh, being out there. But I know it just something i gotta do and that's why my expectations are just not that high for this year i do think we're probably going to shoot a couple bucks just because the rut can be a fun thing you know how that works yep and you have rifles i'm I'm kicking deer out of there when i go in and out there's no question and uh it doesn't feel right but i understand that it it's definitely something i'm not used to just for the fact like you said a lot of the properties i hunt up here are small parcels and you know, I I am selective. I always try to shoot mature deer, but I always hunt the property that I've had that I have, which I've talked about in your podcast before. Yeah. You know, if I have a five acre parcel or a ten acre parcel that I want to consider as prime, but I still know that there's a decent chance I'll have a two and a half year old. Best case scenario is a three and a half year old coming through there. You know, I'm not going to be sitting there waiting for a four or five year old buck. It's just ridiculous. You know, so <laughs> yeah, uh, unless. Weird is, uh-huh. Not this property, I will, you know, yeah. because I'll be there in 10 years. So, Absolutely. I mean, there is a one-in-the-million chance that you shoot a five-and-a-half-year-old mainframe 12-point on a five-acre piece of land like you. <laughs> the, funny, the funny part about that is if a two-and-a-half-year-old eight-point want to walk through first, I probably would have shot that. Yeah, it was know, just by chance. Camera, but, yeah, that's a, that's a crazy, crazy that's a, story. That's a obviously. story alone. Yeah, story itself. But I... Um, so this year, obviously, I walked that property with you, and I think one thing that you already mentioned, but it's an observation year, you're really going to have to learn where the majority of your deer herd is bedding, because there's a lot of different er- bedding areas on that property. There is, which is a good and a bad thing. I'd like it to be uh, more consolidated, you know? Yeah. I know for a fact this is where they are. It- they could bed anywhere, which is uh, a lot of that property was select cutted at times. There's a cedar swamp, and that's the sanctuary I'm talking about. But yep. a lot of there's a lot of high ground too, and it was forested. And as people know, after you forest uh, a chunk of timber, it comes up very, very thick, and there's new growth. So that turns into bedding as well, especially in October, and when there's still foliage. So you know, I, I'm keying in on that cedar swamp as being the the main bedding area where the majority, especially the big bucks, are probably bedding. Uh, but there's no question there's going to be times where I, we're going to be in this tree stand and the deer is going to come from where we were not expecting them to come from. You know how hunting goes. That's the stuff, you know, maybe I don't even, maybe there's these pockets. I haven't even covered all 285 acres. 285 acres is a lot of. Yeah, it's a lot of land. There could be these little pockets that I don't even know about that could be holding deer, and that's what. Uh, not just me, but everybody that's going to be out there hunting. Uh, we got to learn those things. So that's the fun part, though. You know, I, I enjoy that. That's the chase, and that's why we do it. Yeah, the learning aspect of it over the next couple of years is going to be a lot of fun for you. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, there, obviously, with that comes frustration, too. Because uh, there'll, be, yeah. there'll be days you'll be shaking your head, like, why the heck did they come from here? Why, why didn't they come from here? But And that's, um, and you can relate to that, because you're, you're kind of going through the same thing I am on a property in Ottawa, where you're probably two or three years ahead of me, you know, and so you're seeing it, and now I'm going to go through the same thing. I'm just a little bit behind you. Yeah, I'm actually going to do another podcast with uh, the landowner that we hunt with up in Onaway, um, Jim Kemper. We're going to talk about our piece and how we're trying to make that into our Michigan paradise. But I tell you what, after even a couple years up there, there's still headaches and like trying to figure out things. And I think, and I think one thing that um, is very important that you and I have already talked about with this property is access. Yep. access 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 so because i mean you won't i mean you're gonna access this year like um using probably mostly just using those those uh two, two tracks, tracks. Yeah. um and um but you might learn halfway through the year that holy crap we're bumping three five ten deer every time we walk out mm-hmm. we got to create our own access um yep. So that, but that's, like I said, that learning process is going to be a lot of fun. Um, going back to what you said, you're planting some seed this year. Um, so year one, what are you planting and where, like, are you up on the high ground or? Um, yeah, so I'm trying to, there's a ton of opportunity to, to till out there, which is an awesome thing to have which you know it's hard to find with a lot of properties you know? especially in northern michigan especially in northern michigan of course everybody knows that agriculture is at a minimum up here food can be scarce for the deer and that's why we don't have the better genetics if you it all the time but i promise you there's big bucks up here i've shot them and i know a lot of people that have shot them so yeah i mean food plots i mean I, I also grew up downstate so i'm aware of how important agriculture is for deer hunting and how you focus on those things. And I grew up on fence rows and cornfields and things like that. And so I try to do it the best I can up here. I can't grow it to the extent that you guys have down there, but there's, you can grow certain seed up here. So right now what I'm keeping in on, uh, I'm looking for perennial stuff. So clover and alfalfa is pretty much mostly what I've been, planting this year i really just want to get that ground tilled up and get nutrients into the ground for next spring but yep. if i get something to grow this year great uh i would love to get a soil sample next spring and uh, you know see what i can do there and make the soil a little bit better and hopefully one day obviously the more you till it up the, the richer the soil becomes and you know, then I'll move into the, hopefully you can plant some standing beans for the season, turnips, uh, radishes, very popular up here. Anything in the winter, obviously, you know what the winter is like up here. So yep. the longer you um, have something that's green or leafy or obviously a sugar beet, something in the ground that a deer knows is there and they're going to wait for uh, the winter to dig those up, that's what I got to figure out is what I need to plan out there, you know. But the big thing that I uh, really am pleased about is the amount of oak that I told you about. I know just from my experience up here that in the wintertime, because food is so scarce, in the winter they try to find acorns through the snow. So I'm really curious to see what happens in that December time when, or that first snowfall in the November, mid-November to see if they're really key in on those acorns as well. And hopefully, you know, they will try to dig after that clover and that alfalfa. You just never know. But I'm just, I'm being, I'm kind of consolidating it where there are these little 20 by 20 plots all over the property where uh, I've got it all set up. I look at maps all the time and I got all my little areas spot set up where they're outside of that sanctuary and I'm trying to draw them out, obviously, so. I yeah. hope it takes. I know it's late in the year, but you know a lot of people don't wait until September to plant seed. You know they want they want it to be at its peak in October and November, so they wait till later. So hopefully it pays off. We're gonna find out. Yeah, I'm guessing with the whole planting seeding, what deciding what to plant is gonna be a lot of trial and error for you over the years. Yeah. Um, 
but that's a nice thing. That's a, that's the great thing about it is you have years. You have the ability to have some trial and error. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's so, and, and obviously this year you're a little bit more. Um, you're, you're the cho- the choices you have for things to plant is minimal just because like you couldn't plant until August anyway. Um, so, but yeah, you have to keep us posted. It's funny how, um, it's different. I've noticed this too in Northern Michigan compared to like the majority of the Midwest and even Southern Michigan is, you know, you listen to a bunch of podcasts and, you know, you educate yourself and everybody's always talking about how these deer hammer the white oak, white, white oak acorns in like the early season. But I've noticed, and I'm sure you have come to notice, like you were just mentioning, in northern Michigan, it's like those deer know that the food is scarce, and they don't hit them as heavy in October as they would everywhere else around the country. Because I feel like everywhere else in the mid, at least everywhere else in the Midwest has so much ag, those deer can kind of count on that late season, these cut corn and cut bean fields, where in northern Michigan, those ag fields are... um, much more scarce so they don't hit as heavily on the acorns in october and they seem to just hit the white and red oaks all the same um come like that mid late november when that first northern michigan snowfall starts to hit which sometimes we get that in october up here which i got a feeling that's what we're gonna get this year winter was too light last winter for us not to get hammered this winter yeah no kidding we did have a uh, I'm assuming we're going to uh, get an early snowfall, but you never know. But, yeah, you're definitely right. Um, those oaks are going to be I, – I really hope it pans out because I've looked at some of these oak trees out there, and they are just loaded with acorns, which I was really pleased. Obviously, that was a huge plus, too, when I first bought the property. And I was checking it out. So, uh, yeah, you always got to look for natural food. And I know you were talking about a one-year, five-year, ten-year plan. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. No, before before you get into that, I, I think we've done the listeners a little bit of a disservice without not kind of like breaking down the layout of this property before we kind of get into either deeper plan. So if you kind of want to break out like what this property, if you can, if you can draw a picture for the listeners and what this mm-hmm. 275 looks like and i know you haven't walked all of it but you have i mean you've looked at the map so much you can probably you know draw the picture from your head um but paint the picture for us i'll do the best i can so it's kind of it's three parcels basically butted up next to each other and the previous owner used it uh basically for timber they were trying to get money back on timber because there's so many maples and oaks out there which that's where the money is if people for people who don't know the logging industry but anyway so there's a bunch of these little thick pockets or like uh, shrub pockets where it's extremely, extremely thick. And so when you enter the property, the front gate, it was just select cutted this past year, past winter. So it looks like a fresh select cut. So there's timber all on the ground and it's just uh, a bunch of mature oak just spread out and they're all loaded with acorns. And in a couple of years, it's going to be as thick as you possibly can be. And uh, you know, in an ideal world, your sanctuary, your prime bedding area is centrally located. Yep. Um, on this property, it's not. I mean, it's more towards the back end of the property. But what's cool about it is that it has a, they have these logging roads, obviously. What's cool about this trail is that when you walk into the property, it forks. And you basically, we're calling it a south end road and a north end road. So I'm, and in the middle is that sanctuary I'm talking about, that cedar swamp, and it goes to the back end of the property. So what I'm doing is lining up these stands. Um, I got five and five on each logging road, up and down the road, facing the sanctuary. And I'm planting these little food plots in, each, in front of each stand. So I need, obviously the primary wind is always west. West is the best wind out there for this property, which is awesome. And then you always get a little bit of north and a little bit of south. Of course, that happens all the time. So I've got the five stands that are perfect for north, and i got these five stands that are perfect for south. And uh, it should, I mean, ideally these trails were, I, I, one of the first things I noticed when I walked out there is, you know, how are we going to get to our stands? Where's the primary bedding? 
and where is the wind, or what direction is the uh, sanctuary, so I know how to play it with the winds. So when you're walking in, you're walking in with a west wind in your face, so you're heading east, which is perfect. Yeah. Hunters, you got to think about that because east is your least common wind. We all know that. So obviously, an east wind is probably not very good out there. But you could, there's ways you could hunt that uh, that front patch I was telling you about, where it's all mature oak. That's probably where you stay closer to the front of the property if they never got east wind. But primarily. West wind is best, and then you can, it's north and south are fine too. And then that those long roads are running on the south line and the north end of the property, if that makes sense. So it's yep. ideal for hopefully for access. The problem we're going to deal with is what everybody deals with is bumping deer on morning hunts that are going to be on the food plots. And you know, that's what I got to figure out if we can get in and get out undetected, and that's what observations going to come into play this year so um so moving forward obviously this you've got this kind of set up for strictly for observation this year what can you see changing in the next few years as you learn more about their bedding their movement what they're eating what time of year um what's you know morning movement versus evening movement what can you see you changing up stand wise over the next few years or just like access wise to um maybe help your morning hunts and obviously just to help you overall um get in on these mature bucks yeah well i can tell you that uh something i learned when i moved up here and I don't know if it's as popular downstate because there's so much opportunity to food down there. But we talked about the white oaks up here and how that's a huge food source up here. But what I've really noticed, and especially in the Sheboygan County, apple trees. Apple trees are, especially for October when they're at peak, um, they deer, the deer absolutely congregate to apple trees wherever you can find them. So the first thing that is on the list next year is planting not only one, but probably multiple apple orchards. At the front end of the property, we're doing like a huge apple orchard. Then there's an area in the back end of the property, uh, not too far from that sanctuary I'm talking about. It was clear-cutted, and I have uh, a vision of planting apple trees out there too. So, And, you know, what I've realized, because I've planted apple trees up here before, uh, critters and deer are going to get to them if you don't protect them so yeah uh, the biggest thing is that we're going to have to do it right and fence it off and um, that's going to be key number one is getting about a five-year plan they say it takes about three to five years uh for an apple tree to produce so um that's why i want to get that into the ground first and honestly that's probably going to change uh, the deer pattern and the deer movement. But if I can congregate those apple orchards at night, I know I got a couple spots picked out where there's good openings like I was telling you about. In my opinion, if that's the primary food source and I can, um, if I can uh, locate those deer, especially nighttime movement, I know that a lot of those deer are going to be up once it gets to peak. We're talking five years down yeah. the road. Yeah. We're talking like hundreds of apple trees. That's my vision. I know if I can consolidate these deer to these apple orchards, that gives me, that gives uh, you the answer of what I'm looking to do as far as access on the way in. I'm going to think, okay, they're probably on this apple orchard all night long or close to, yep. and they're trying to get back to that sanctuary. So that's when it's going to be critical for us to hopefully have a different type of access where we're avoiding those apple orchards for morning hunts and trying to uh, obviously cut them off on the way back to that sanctuary. In a perfect world, it works out like that, but you know how deer hunting works. I mean... They're wild animals, man. Yeah. Can't always predict Yeah, maybe the majority of the deer will be at the apple orchard, but not all of them are going to be. And, uh, you know, there's... I really want to focus in, key in on two specific areas where I'm going to plant the majority of the apple trees. So we have options on where the deer are going to be coming from. 
and hopefully head back to that sanctuary. And it's going to be a learning curve, and who knows where the apple trees are going to produce and where they're not going to produce. And it's probably going to vary from year to year. Uh, but if there's options out there, I know we got to get them into the ground. So uh, that's definitely first on the list for next year, as long along uh, along with uh, planting more seed, obviously, especially uh, especially perennial seed. Yeah, and it sounds like you have a pretty good plan for an early season primary food location and a late season primary food where you'll have you'll be keying in on those apple orchards the majority of October and then kind of transitioning to like if you have um, the alfalfa, the clover, the soybeans, the turnips, if you have all that planted. In another section of the property, you can kind of count on that being the primary food source um, when you get toward gun season and and late season, um, and then you can kind of play exactly. play those the same way you're playing the apple orchards. So, so the majority of those oaks that I was telling you about are towards the front of the property, and I'm going to mix those apple trees and and these little orchards that are on the outside of those oaks basically okay so the majority of the food is towards the front and the bedding is towards the back we're probably gonna have to try to find access uh, access from the sides of the property if that makes sense yep. so that's kind of my vision so we can cut them off going to and from that's evening hunts as well you know they're going to be coming from the sanctuary too so now because it's such a big piece of property how far will these deer have to travel from this back primary bedding area to yeah. this food source that you've got envisioned in the front? Yeah, so, geez, 285 acres. It's almost perfectly square property, so who knows how wide 280, I mean, hundreds of yards. There's no question. It's just how many. 400, 500 yards? What, what do you think? I no Yeah, idea. I mean, the... I, I, guess the only obstacle i can see in the future with that is are you going to get a mature buck to the food source by before sundown if they're moving that well, that's the thing you're not hunting the food source you're always. hunting you're hunting between you're hunting like the yeah. two and the from and yeah. the, that's i do that quite often actually you know or you do hunt the food source especially early october what i've always done especially when baiting was legal early October, you always consolidate your food, right? Yep. Wherever it is. So early October, you can surprise them that first week of October, and then you realize as October rolls on, they're going to become later and later. So that's when you press further and further and further into the bedding area. And then once the rut is there, you're on the bedding area pretty much, or right, obviously on the perimeter. So yeah. I always play a safe, 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 safe. And as a season, I think majority of hunters do this too. I mean, good hunters, I would think. You get more aggressive. And then as the season goes on, it's always worked for me. And I don't see us doing it any different over at this property. We'll hunt those front fields at the beginning of the year, hunt those oak trees, and hopefully one day apple trees. And then once we deer movement slows down in daylight up there then we'll push into the woods that's in between the sanctuary and that bedding area and then um, late season you know November whatever I, it's so hit or miss in November because it's rut too so you can yeah. go back to that front field too and see deer probably but I would, that's when I wouldn't be afraid to get right on the perimeter of that bedding area yep yep makes complete sense um so so year, I mean, obviously year one plan from what I've gathered so far, year one plan is just like an observatory year. You guys might shoot a couple bucks with rifles, um, more than likely, and um, you guys really don't have. I mean, just because you have hunters of all, because you're gonna have, you know, a handful of guys hunting it, um, like just your family and and Arge and some of his family potentially. Um, like, there's no, like, uh, you guys have no kind of, like, rule or anything on, like, what you can kill and what, what you can't, right? It's kind of just like... You know, we have a, a good group of people, a good group of hunters. Arge is really the only one, and my uh, my brother and my sister, that haven't shot a, killed a lot of deer. And uh, 
So they might, you know, try to shoot their first buck. They'll shoot a year and a half if one comes in. There's no question. But I think as the years go on, there's no question my dad and my brother and other hunters in our group, I think we try to shoot mature deer. That's for sure. Yeah. And uh, I see that probably, you know, once they get a deer or two under their belt. Or, I mean, you know how hunters go. And oh, yeah. Trying to get a... You try to wait for the bigger one. You, you know, if you shot a six-point the year before, you're maybe not going to be as aggressive, you know, the, the following year and shoot the first year and a half that walks in front of you. But if, you know what? I'm not one of those people that's going to tell somebody they can or can't shoot something. You know, if, uh, if your ticker's going on a year and a half and Art wants to shoot a year and a half for the rest of his life, so be it. So be you know, it. Yep. As long as they enjoy it, that's all. That's what it's all about, the camaraderie and the deer camp. But I think the group of people we have, we do want to shoot quality deer, and we know that uh, you got to protect your deer herd and uh, practice shooting. Yeah, there's no question. So it'll be. But there's a good enough deer herd out there. I think we're going to build big bucks every year. That's the important thing. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I think, uh, I think in a couple years you guys could really be, you know, putting two to three bucks on the buck pole every year that are worth showing off. Um, yeah, I mean, just for my one day walking that with you, I think it's going to be a really good piece for you guys. And you obviously have a really good plan in place. Um, so ultimate, like, What's your year? What's your goal this year, and what you, what what do you see your goal being in five years for this property? Uh, goal this year, I mean, yeah, the goal. I want to say the bar is too high for this year. I think we're just gonna have fun, being somewhere new and, and learning, experiencing and yeah. learning. You know, that's kind of the goal is observation, like we talked about learning the deer herd. Um, what we're working with out there and where we need to set up stands for the following season. And then in five years, I hope we have it, you know, somewhat figured out where we have these nice, um, uh, the big thing, the nice uh, food sources for sure, like we've talked about over and over. But yep. the biggest thing too, uh, a lot of these guys, I'm really trying to make it uh, a property that's very comfortable for them to sit. I hope to have a couple nice tower blinds out there. All the stands we're buying are really nice. Like two mans are really, really, really nice. One mans. Yeah. Just doing it right, you know. I'm not doing it cheap, you know. Buying muddy tree stands, big game tree stands. Uh, might buy a millennium here this upcoming week, just so you know there's comfort and people can sit long, you know, out there. And we're not. The biggest thing is safe too. All these stands are ladder stands. Yeah. You know. I um. I was going to ask, because you got, I mean, your dad's going to be hunting it, Arge is going to be hunting it, and if you have a five to ten year plan, well, in five to ten years, our dads are going to be pushing 70, you know? Exactly. You got to think about those things. There's, I, I don't want to have a climber stand 30 feet up in the air with pegs, and then one of those guys goes falling, and then it's on my shoulders, you know, so. Absolutely. I can always be aggressive on my own and bring my own hangout stand, or I, I want to get into the saddle hunting that's the biggest thing in my mind right now so there's always options and those guys would want to do that stuff too but you know we hunt ground i like hunting the ground from time to time so do they so you know you, you have that option but i, I hope we do have another a couple nice uh like those redneck blinds or an off-brand redneck blind you know yeah just a couple spots that are just I think the property is very pretty too it's just gorgeous views these meadows there's a couple meadows out there that I think you're going to look really cool. So just somewhere that is, you're just proud to be there and all the work that you put into it. I think that's where I want it to be in five years. You know? Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's going to be a deer camp too, right? You guys are planning on yeah. having either like little cabins or having a house. Yeah. There. He, bought, he bought one of those 14 by 40 op sheds. It's getting delivered here soon. And I mean, he's going to retire up here. That's what his plan is. He doesn't know exactly what he's, if he's going to live on the property or close to it. Or There's a lake across the street, which is really cool. And he talked about buying a cottage on the lake. So he's got options. That's what's pretty neat about it. And uh, But it's definitely going to be a deer camp for us as well, which is cool. We're starting a new, uh, a new deer camp and going to be able to build more memories and experiences, and especially with the people that we want to be with. And, 
it's a good group, so it should be should be a lot of fun and a lot of memories are going to be made. Absolutely. I mean, hopefully, if it's a, I mean, sound like it's going to be a long term thing. It might be a couple of generations of Enslins out there with your dad and you and your brother and probably your kids someday. I hope my kids will be hunting out there, and my future father-in-law will be out there this year. He's part of our group, so it's a family thing for sure. It's awesome, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward just to that whole thing. And what's really cool is that we still have my dad's cabin too. So yeah, uh, we're very fortunate. We have a lot of options, which I know a lot of people don't, and uh, I'm very lucky. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well, I plan on doing this pretty much annually with you on the podcast rob is checking in seeing how the the pro the northern michigan projects going for you and uh yeah. what kind of hoops and what kind of challenges you're facing and how successful you guys were this upcoming year and um it'll be a it'll be a fun story to follow in years to come as you try to build what was a hunter access program piece of property um pretty much used strictly for you know for the timber, um, into pretty much a strictly a northern Michigan yeah. deer haven. That's what, yeah, deer sanctuary, deer haven. That's the plan. Or, I mean, it's I definitely got a lot of work ahead of me, but I got a big picture in mind, and I think with a little uh, blood, sweat, and tears, we're going to be able to make it happen, which is going to be fun. Absolutely. Now, before I let you go, Rob, what's your uh, – Tell the listeners what you got planned for this fall. You got a oh, you got yeah. a busy fall in front of you, and we'll have you on yeah. for some stories at the end of it. God, I can't even talk about it, man. I wanted to be here tomorrow. I, that's all I can think about. So in October, I'm going on a ten day backpack uh, elk hunt in Colorado, and uh, I cannot wait for that. It's going to be a first time for me. Never shot an elk. I hope just to see an elk. And honestly, if I get one, it's just a bonus. And then. I come home, and then four days later, I leave for Missouri again to hunt the whitetail rut. Second Which, week of November. At the same and, uh, place we went to last year, right? Yes, same property. So. Well, uh, and then a couple, couple new ones, too. So it should that, be fun. And on top of that, every week in your home, I'm guessing you're going to be, you know, observing and learning at this new piece. So it's going to be a fun fall for you. I cannot wait, man. We're kind of we're in the mood the dog days of the summer right now you know how august is always like that for deer hunters that's all you think about but at least we can get our bows out and shoot and start thinking about it we can taste it absolutely man we are i cannot i cannot wait that you know what the thing i keep thinking to myself is for somehow some way the last six months has gone by fast with all this quarantine shit and and uh it's gone by fast so i mean what another six weeks will will fly by and and we'll be climbing trees before you know it you know what i even uh i don't even think i've told you this yet um i'm contemplating going to northern wisconsin in september yeah their season opens mid-september that's four hours from me through the up so i'm thinking about there could be one more trip there for well we're gonna recap um in mid-november and talk all about those three two or three trips you go on and that'll be that'll be fun to talk about on the podcast but rob appreciate you joining tonight good luck this fall i'm sure you and i are going to talk about four times in the next four days anyway so (laughs) good uh from the listeners good luck this fall hope you uh have a successful first year at the soon to be northern michigan deer sanctuary so uh, best of luck to you man hey thanks for having me man always a pleasure and i i love talking hot with you appreciate it man love it Keep see you buddy doing, you know Talk it you. see you buddy well that was robbie enslin hopefully you learned a few things hopefully that you found that interesting i Love talking about that stuff, Um, whether it's a new lease or maybe you just got permission at a new piece. Maybe your family member or yourself bought a new piece. It's fun to look at that project because that, I mean, that's 90% of the fun anyways, figuring out what these deer are doing and how to best get on them to have a successful fall. But I mean, like Robbie said, I'm going to, we're going to have another podcast talking about our own Northern Michigan project, my dad and a couple of our buddies have going right now, but, um, that's half the fun is 
the work you put in March through September to ensure a successful and educational fall. Um, every year's a learning year with these new pieces, and uh, it's just it adds a whole new element to the hunt. And I'm sure a lot of you listeners can attest to that, that maybe own or hunt a piece of property that you're tied to. Um, but it's just interesting to hear other people's perspectives. I really wanted to get Robbie's perspective being in northern Michigan because it is different up there. There isn't as much ag. You really got to concentrate on building your own food sources. Um, and they, they treat food sources differently up there. I mean, they get snow in early November. Um, where in early November here, the corn's freshly cut, the beans are freshly cut, they're in those cut fields at night, chowing down. They don't have as much of that in northern Michigan, so they really got to find their food. And what Robbie mentioned before, you might turn your head and ask yourself, why is he hunting acorns in November and December? Well, the deer don't hit them as hard up in northern Michigan in October because they kind of, I think they fall back on, hey, this is where our acorns are going to be once the snow falls. Because once the snow falls, their food sources are very minimal up there. Their apple trees are gone. Everything's been cut. Everything's been covered. It's it's a different type of hunting in northern Michigan. I really wanted to get Robert's perspective on what his plan is over the next few years to try to make um, a piece of property with, yes, it has natural food. He's, it's very fortunate that he found white oaks and some and natural clover growing there, but doesn't have the food sources you'd walk into if you bought a property in southern Michigan so or anywhere else in the Midwest. Um, so it's interesting to hear his perspective on how he's going to build that property into something where hopefully him and his family members can be fortunate enough to kill a few mature bucks every year in an area that doesn't really isn't really known for big mature bucks um, and that's the same thing we're trying to do with our property which we'll discuss on another podcast so we're going to leave it at that i really appreciate you guys listening i hope you're enjoying these podcasts please if you're not subscribed to the podcast subscribe today if you're already subscribed i love you thank you so much continue stay wild hunt hard have a good one